Morning. How you doing today? Hey, Donnie, can you help me with this when you're walking down? I got it. I got props. I got lots of props today. I like props. So we are talking about fathers. And so if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis 22. But it's going to be a few minutes before we get there because I want to use my props first. You know, I completely stole this. I won't lie to anybody. I was looking around on the Internet and I run across this illustration. I said, that is too good not to use. And so, um, you know, as a father, there's something that we need to learn first. We need to be like an adjustable wrench. You know, we need to be flexible. We need to be adaptable, right? You can use this wrench on just about anything, metric or standard. You know, as long as the bolt's not too tight, you're pretty good with that. So as a father, we need to learn to be um, just flexible and adaptable in everything we do. In Ephesians 6, verse 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord. Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. You know, so as a father, we need to build our kids up. We need to remember to be flexible and all that. Level. We need to be level-headed, right? As a father, we need to learn to be level-headed. In Proverbs 27, it says, The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are the children after them. You know, we need to be fair. We need to be adjustable. We need to be level-headed. You know, we need to be like a clamp. We need to be able to hold things together. A lot of times we need to hold our families together as a father and as a man. Shop towels. Dads are not perfect. We need to learn to clean up behind ourselves and clean up the messes we make. And, you know, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. Whenever Paige was um, probably early teen years, we had a young lady living with us. Um, Two and her and Paige had went to the mall. And that's back before iPhones. I had old Blackberry with the scroll ball. Y'all remember that? We used to use a little ball to scroll through your text message and read it. Well, I got a text message from Paige, and she said, hey, can I go to the mall? And I said, I texted back, sure. I didn't finish reading it. I had a mess to clean up a few minutes later. Immediately, Tammy calls me and says, why did you give Paige permission to get an earring in the cartilage of her ear? I said, I didn't. I told her she could go to the mall. She said, read the whole text message. Lesson learned. I still skim, but I had a big mess to clean up with my wife and my oldest daughter because I'd give her permission to do something that I wasn't supposed to do. A bungee card. We need to be able to do stretch and do different things as a father, you know, so we need to be like a bungee card. Philippians 4.8 says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Chocolate. Why do you have chocolate in your toolbox? Put your wife first and keep her happy. Chocolate. Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives even as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, um, one of the best things as a dad you can do is love their mom well to teach them how to love for the future whenever they get ready to get married one day. Pliers, pliers, when everything else is losing grip in this world, are we losing grip in this world right now? Fathers need to learn to hold on to God 
and show the rest of you, the family, and the rest of the world that you can hold on to the right things. A rubber mallet. Sometimes you have to use persuasion that don't leave a mark, right? Huh? I've never hit my kids that I'm saying out loud with a rubber mallet, that is. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. The last tool in your box, dads, is right here. The most important thing that you can do is lean on this and everything that you do to guide your family. You know, everything that you do to show them. All these tools are important, but this is the most important. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis 22. And as you're turning there, you know, in Proverbs 4, 1, it says, listen, to my, listen, my sons, to the Father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. The Bible's real clear for kids. Look, it's not all on the parents. Kids, you need to pay attention to what your parents are teaching you. But as parents, we need to be teaching the right things. And so um, in Genesis 22, this is probably one of my favorite scriptures. And as you look at this, you know, some of us are going to say, what does that have to do with being parents? And now I'm talking to moms and dads because the moms are in the house and I'm talking to everybody. Um, let's read this. Genesis 22, we'll start in verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Then God said, take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountain, and I will show that I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw a place in the distance, and he said to his servants, "Stay here with the donkey while I." And the boy go over there, and we will worship, and we will come back to you. And Abraham took the wood, took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he, he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that, that they'd been told about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now that I know you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Just say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for today, Father, and I thank you for your word, Father. And just today, Father, let us be encouraged to know that you're there. But, Father, let us live a legacy, Father, that's worthy of you. Father, that the world will see and we can leave that legacy for, for generations after us. Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, this morning as we're talking, as we look at this, you know, what is a legacy? You know, I, I, I went to Webster and looked up legacy. and A legacy means something that's transmitted by or received from an ancestor, ancestor or predecessor or from the past. You know, so when you look, you know, what's the legacy that you're leaving? This week, 
I had a real, um, what's the word? Eye-opening, I guess, and humbling experience. I'd taken off Monday morning for a little while and went and was training dogs and had run home and, and, and took care of my dogs and had took a shower and was on my way back up to the church. And I got a phone call from the funeral home. And that's not, that happens a lot. You know, they'll call and they'll say, say, hey, we need something. You know, we need you to do this funeral. And, and I've probably, I went back and looked, I've probably done over 100 funerals easily over the last few years. And probably two-thirds of them, I didn't know the people. And so they called and they said, hey, but, but this, one, this one's really odd and it's a real special request. And I said, okay. And you kind of hold your breath because you really don't know what they're going to tell you about the person at that point. And, uh, um, and as the lady went on, the funeral director, she said, look, she said, it's a 92, 93-year-old lady. She has nobody. She said, literally, she said, we got the phone call May 6th that she had passed away. She had a grandson that dropped her off at the nursing home two years ago and never come back. And that's the only living relative, the only contact we have. And, and we finally got a hold to him, but he never come talk to us. And the funeral director, she said, I'm just being honest. She said, I don't feel right about putting this lady's ashes in the ground without somebody standing for her. I said, I'm there. She said, what time? I said, don't matter. I just cleared my whole life for you. I'm going to be there for this. And so Tuesday morning I went, so literally it was me, the funeral director, the nursing home director, the so social worker from the nursing home, and the secretary from the nursing home, and we all, we stood, but none of us knew the lady. And as I stood there and I was thinking, I said, you know, this is terrible. You know, and I'll be real honest, riding to the, to the cemetery, it wrecked me. I literally wept in my truck. I said, this is the first time in my life I'm doing something for somebody that I know nothing. There's no family member for me to talk to. There's nobody that can share any light about this person. You know, and even that, when I was standing there and I said, you know, God, I said, you know what this person stood for and we don't. So what's the legacy? What is people going to know about us? You know, for Johnny Morgan, I hope that one day my legacy is that somebody's going to look back and say, there was a man that chased after God with everything that he had. There's a man that put his family first, and there's a man that just really, really served him well. But that probably hadn't always been my legacy. That probably hadn't always been what people would know. And, you know, some, of, some people, this is not going to excite most people. It didn't, it didn't excite my family, and it kind of hurt my feelings. I was digging the other day, and I found this in the top of my closet. So that's been how long it's been since I cleaned the top of my closet out. I bought this light 37 years ago. Now, believe it or not, this belt used to fit me. It's a size 36. I went from a 36 to a 44. I'm back down to a 38. But this was my coon hunting light. And I wore this light many a night. This leather pouch that the battery sits in and all that. My great uncle that had a saddle shop next to me made to carry my light in. And whenever I bought this light, I worked really hard. I went to work for Helen's Variety Store. How many of y'all remember Helen's Variety Store? It used to be on Highway 16 where Taco Bell's at. I, would, I went to work there at 14 years old. And I saved my money to buy this light and to buy this training collar for my dogs. I found this in top of my closet. I was pretty excited. One day my family's going to be worth a lot of money with these two finds. But you know what? For a long time, those was my legacy. When people saw Johnny Morgan, 
they would look at Johnny Morgan and say, oh, there's Johnny Morgan, the coon hunter. Oh, there's Johnny Morgan, the rabbit hunter. Wasn't there's Johnny Morgan, the man that's chasing after God. And it wasn't until God grabbed my heart and God really started telling me, look, Johnny, this is the man you need to be for your family. This is the man you need to be for your children. This is the man you need to be for me. And so when you read these verses and you start looking at this and you see where Abraham you know, God calls to Abraham and he says, look, I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice him. And that sounds harsh. You know, that's when you need the chocolate bar when you go home to give to your wife to tell her, look, I just almost sacrificed our kid, but it's okay. You know, you're going to need something to make happy with them. But the real thing right here, whenever I was looking to get ready for um, this week, you know, and God put these verses on my heart. Right here, Abraham set the most important legacy for Isaac that he could ever set. Think about, think about what he taught his son. Besides his son never wanting to go camping with him again, you know. But think about it. He showed his son that God is everything to me. God is bigger than my family. God is bigger than my, than my job. God is bigger than anything else I can do. I'm willing to put everything on the line for my God. And today, I'm convinced, as sure as I'm standing here, in, in 2020, that if more people, not just men, if more men and if more women would stand up and say, God's the most important thing in my life, that serving God and living this and believing this is more important than these things and more important than these things and more important than my family, we wouldn't be seeing the things that we're seeing today. But we have to be willing to stand up. Do you think it was easy for Abraham to say, yes, God? I would venture to say the night before he left that he probably didn't sleep a lot laying there in that, wherever he was at. I'm sure that as he laid there that night, he was running through his mind, God, what, what if, what if I have to put that knife to my son? There's some of us that need to start thinking about what if God, I have to put this knife to my job. God, what if I have to put this knife to my family? God, what if I have to put this knife to my hobbies? God, what if I have to put this knife and just whatever we put in front of God? Think about it. Where would we be? Where would our families be today? Where would our communities be today? What if whenever people rode through Watson, they didn't see Live Oak Baptist Church, they saw just God? You know, I love to read in the Old Testament how whenever God would show up and he'd get smoke around the tent. You know what I'm talking about? And, it, and that's whenever he was really there with those people. What if when people passed here, it was just a haze around this place because God was so much here? But what if when we was walking around the neighborhood, what if we was walking around the community, we was like Pigpen. Remember Pigpen and um, Charlie Brown? Remember I had the little dust cloud around him? What if we was like that? What if we had that little cloud around us and people say, man, look at God's all over that person. And so whenever you read these scriptures and you look, and whenever God talks to him, what did Abraham say? He said, he said to him, Abraham, he said, here am I, here am I. What if we took that on? What if our legacy, what if whenever people looked at us, that's what they saw was those three words, here am I. God, here am I. Let me serve you. God, here am I. Let me do what you want me to do. God, here am I. 
God, here am I. I'm going to be flexible. I'm going to be adjustable. God, I'm going to be level-headed. God, I'm going to be able to whip the things into place that need to be in the place. But what happens? What happens? God says, you know what? I need you to put that paycheck on the line. I need you to test me. See how big I am. I need you to put this hobby on the line for me. And a lot of us say, God, God really wouldn't tell me to do that. God really wouldn't want me to do that. Yes, he would. Because God's a jealous God. And he wants all of our heart. He wants all of our soul. He wants all of our mind. He wants everything about us to love him. He wants everything about us to serve him. Because whenever we love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind, then what does he tell us to do? He says, go make disciples, go baptize, go teach, go to the world. What have we been talking about this whole year? But are we willing to do it? Or do we say, you know something? God, this son Isaac that you promised me and promised me and promised me and told me that was going to become, that this was going to be the seed for the nation, now you want me to kill him? Surely you're not talking to me. Surely you're not talking to me. But we need to take on that, that, that mindset. Here am I. Here am I. Here am I. Father, we come to you right now, Lord. Just say that we love you, Father, and I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. Father, and right now, right now, Father, I just ask, show us our hearts. Father, give us that heart of Abraham to say, here am I. Give us that heart of Abraham to say, yes, Lord. Yes, I'm willing to put everything on the line for you. Father, some, Father, today, Father, need to ask you to become the Lord of their life. Father, there's some today that's never asked you for forgiveness, that's never asked you to become their Lord. Father, there's some today that need to make Live Oak their home. Father, they want to become part of a church that's not scared to live for you. Father, they want to be part of a church that says, yes, Lord, here am I. Send me. Father, right now, show us into our hearts. Father, let us see what only your eyes, Father, can see. And Father, let us respond and be obedient. Father, we love you. Father, we love you.